to support the show and join our patron community where you'll get extra access and exclusive content, visit us at patreon.com forward slash creatively Christian. Welcome to Creatively Christian, a podcast by Theophany Media, where we inspire, inform, educate, and empower creative Christians of all types. I'm one of your hosts, Brandon Hollingsworth. Today, Andrea connects with artist Makoto Fujimara, the author of one of the most recommended books on the Creatively Christian podcast, Art Plus Faith, The Theology of Making. In this conversation, Makoto discusses our opportunity to honor our brokenness through our making, and he also answers a few questions from our listeners. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Creatively Christian. I'm your host, Andrea Sandifer. And I am honored to be joined by Makoto Fujimura today, who uh, has given me permission to call him Mako, right? Is that correct? (laughs) Okay, well, wonderful. It's so wonderful to have you uh, today. And I'm just going to briefly just start with uh, your pared down bio because the uh, extensive one was awesome, but we would be here for uh, a while, I think, if we read all of that. It's awesome, though. So Uh, Mako is a leading contemporary artist whose process-driven refractive slow art has been described as a small rebellion against the quickening of time. I think that was my favorite. Uh, His works have also been described as a new kind of art about hope, healing, redemption, and refuge while maintaining visual sophistication and intellectual integrity. Uh, He graduated with a Bachelor of Arts degree from Bucknell University and then studied in traditional Japanese painting, a doctorate program for several several years at uh, the Tokyo University of the Arts. So very uh, bicultural. It's wonderful. Um, And his art has been featured widely in galleries and museums around the world and is collected by notable collections, including the Museum of Contemporary Art in Tokyo, the Huntington Library, as well as the Tikotin Museum. Did I say that right? You did. That was That's impressive. awesome. It's in Israel. <laughs> I looked them up really quick. That is a neat museum. Yeah, so it's in Haifa. It's beautiful space. Israel's a bucket list location to visit Uh someday. I'll have to make sure I I have that on my list while I'm there too. So, and then he is also one of, I love this. He was one of the first artists to paint live at New York City's legendary Carnegie Hall. I've only been there once and I can only imagine how fun that was. Yeah, That's very (laughs) cool. Uh, He is also a leading contemporary, well, he is a contemporary painter, um, but you are also an arts advocate a writer and a speaker who's recognized worldwide as a cultural influencer. And the reason we're talking with you today is because of your latest book, Art and Faith, which is subtitled A Theology of Making. Uh, And it is truly, I have to say, a thought-provoking and encouraging read for anyone uh, seeking to honor the Lord with their creative gifts. And um, it has been recommended by many of our guests prior to this conversation, and we're going to point everybody to the resources you mentioned today and get everybody plugged in. Uh, and um, maybe you guys can quick summer read, right? Uh, no, <laughs> it's it's worth slowing down. Uh, I told my husband this morning, I was like, you know, 
I think I'm only on chapter eight right now, but I've been slowly just mm. enjoying it mm. and I can't wait to get to the end. But, um, but then I, I could see this being something I come back to a lot. So with all of that, welcome again. It's so good to have you here today with us. Yeah, thank you, Andrea. It's, it's great to be here with you today. Good. Well, I, I'm really thrilled. I've got a lot of fun questions for you um, yeah. from some of our, even our, our people that were connected with online. It was really fun to let everybody know we were going to get to talk to you and yeah. got some fun questions from them. So why don't you kick it off by telling us maybe a little bit more about your yeah. creative background and yeah. um, specifically even how you came to faith in Jesus? Yeah. I am here in uh, Princeton. Uh, this is my studio that you see, those of you who can see the video. Um, and um, surrounded, it's a farm farmland surrounded by acres of uh, protected land. So um, even though I'm in Princeton area, uh, I, I feel like I'm uh, pretty isolated. Quarantine doesn't work. Uh, and um, I was born in Boston actually, uh, and then spent a lot of time. My father is a uh, well-known scientist, and he we traveled around to Sweden and Japan. Mm-hmm. I spent um, my childhood years in Japan, and then came back to U.S. in New Jersey uh, when I was thirteen, and uh, went to Bucknell University, and then received a national scholarship to study back in Japan. Um, entering this uh, quite an honor to be part of this lineage program that harkens back to 15th century Japan, oh, wow. 16th century Japan, and uh, studying on, on the masters of uh, uh, what is now termed Nihonga, Japanese style paintings, which is using uh, pulverized minerals and gold and silver. The works that you see in, behind me are all done with this same materials that artists um, in 17th century used, uh, modified with some space age materials. But um, <laughs> so that's what I do. I, I'm an artist primary. I I uh, I write and speak out of the experience of being in the studio. So it's it's actually very important to me that um, I spend bulk of my time uh, in my studio working. Um, I am married to Hejin uh, Shim Fujimura, who is an extraordinary uh, advocate, justice advocate, um, and we have been working together to uh, talk about justice and beauty together. Uh, We just came back from India, where um, she runs a uh, safe safe home uh, children's center, really, for uh, children born in brothels, and uh, so we, uh, we don't uh, separate the advocacy between beauty, art, and uh, uh, these some of the darkest places in the world. And I came to faith. I, I call my conversion inversion <laughs> because <laughs> I as I think back um, on my journey, um, I keep discovering that I had generations of believers that I didn't know about in, in my ancestry. Um, what would now be known as hidden Christian communities in Japan uh, for many years because the persecution was so severe in Japan. Um, if you were a Christian of any kind, you, ha- you had to survive by hiding your faith. Mm-hmm. And um, so 
my on my mother's side, there are generations of Christian leaders as well. Um, and I came to faith in Christ, but um, in my twenties. But uh, really, from early on, I heard the Spirit through what I create. You know, I I, I will be making uh, painting and. I feel this surge of energy flow through me. And I thought that was normal. I thought that's what everybody experienced, you know. <laughs> and I, I knew it wasn't mine. I knew it was a gift. And in my 20s, I um, began to seriously look at the Gospels. And uh, when I read Jesus' words, um, somehow the the connection between what I was experiencing and uh in the studio and Jesus' voice um, overlapped so significantly that I, 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 I became aware that you could attach a name to my experience, um, that it, it was the Holy Spirit's voice guiding me throughout um, my childhood years. So um, I kind of inverted <laughs> into you know, what was implicit into explicit um, steps of faith. Um, and it took me a while. Uh, there was a process to identify with the church uh, because I had so so much um, problems with the church uh, historically. And um, I had all these arguments why people shouldn't be a Christian. And, <laughs> and okay. you know, was, um, I felt this strong draw to Christ. And I, I, I kept on telling people I'm not a Christian, but this guy Jesus is is incredible. And um and and I I, I used to have all these arguments with uh missionaries in Japan <laughs> <laughs> about why you shouldn't be a Christian. And then I I, I realized that I, I had crossed over um that you know, even without me realizing uh inverted into my faith and and so i had to actually admit that i was now part of the visible church <laughs> and so that's how my journey began <laughs> i love it uh there's so much to that that i can relate to too uh but i love especially how you said that you you learned his name like you you made yeah. that connection um yeah. the voice that had been speaking to you through your art in your process you learned his name. Uh, that's just beautiful. So mm. speaking of the Holy Spirit, uh, how did he draw you into writing this book, uh, Art and Faith? Right. So um, even initially, when I began to read or really read the Bible, um, I just throughout, I, I just kept on no- noticing that this, this is a book about creativity and imagination that's been baptized by the spirit and um so i would talk to my friends uh missionary friends about you know it isn't isn't it incredible that exodus 31 is all about making the temple and the details are there every everything is described as specific as you can get as an artist you responding to the craftsmanship and artistry and of course you know if you read the first paragraph of genesis you know that this creator god is the artist um so 
you know, my my friends would look at me like, oh, I skipped that passage. You know, it didn't really make sense, <laughs> these qubits and or these these details. And I said, Well, but but it's repeated, it's repeated in 37, so it must be important. You know? It must be They're important. Like, yeah. I, <laughs> I know, right? Uh so you know, for many years I thought. Well, that's just me, you know. I'm an artist, and I have crazy thoughts, and, <laughs> and you know, I, I I read Ezekiel, and I'm like, I, I'm like completely w- with this prophet mm-hmm. who's doing performance art to reveal upside down kingdom, right? Mm-hmm. And 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 my friends are like, I don't get that passage, you know. <laughs> and I'm like, I you're such a gift only, to the church, my God. <laughs> I, know, I not only get it, but I mean, I see it. I I can I can see why the, you know mm-hmm. visions of Isaiah, you know, and and the uh, prophet Jeremiah is like speaking my language with mm-hmm. lamentations, and and that's how I felt, you know, mm-hmm. just intuitively. So I'm like. These are amazing. These are amazing artists, really. They're the examples, and I and I read people like William Blake, who says that. You know, Vincent Van Gogh says that. You know, and, and mm-hmm. so these these are not far off when you're an artist, but but at the same time in the church, you know, you 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 kind of get into a zone where well, that's just me. And then mm-hmm. I began to teach a little bit. Um, about what I was observing and people come up to me like I never heard anything like this you know and (laughs) I I, but I said it's just so clear in the bible from genesis to revelation it's all about creation into you know creation for redemption and new creation and so I began to map out some of the things very early on so this is my really my life work really I, I ever since I felt the spirit's work in in my journey as an artist even as a child creating you know i i feel like i've been called on this path to um see god's um amazing and unique creative creativity that i am invited into and through christ's work um and his sacrifice uh, and uh you know his the glory of his resurrection, we, we are able to access that as part of our, our broken, fallen journey. And and so that's the miracle is that, you know, every effort counts, every create, creative effort, every stroke, you know, that I, I, I paint by faith, um, it's going to be multiplied by this, this remarkable creator who, who only creates in love and sees me, sees you, sees, you know, everyone uh, with, with that light. And uh, so, so this book is my life work. I, it's actually one third of what I had written so far. Uh, <laughs> my editor um, did a great job of compressing it because it, it's, it's kind of a huge, you know, <laughs> uh, uh, thesis. And, and so, um, there's more to come, uh, in that sense, but it's, it's, I, th- I think the, uh, you know, this book really captures, um, the essence of what, what that journey has been like. Oh, fantastic. I am so thrilled to hear there's more to come too. That's yeah. wonderful. <laughs> uh, yeah, it is like your friend was saying, you know, that heard you speak on this, it is something I've never heard before. 
Mm. But it's something as I read, it's something I have felt. So I was really thankful that you put words to something I had been feeling for a long time. So um, thank you. Um, you. So something I wanted to ask you, because I I think this is one of the beautiful things that you point to in your book is um, our opportunity Mm. to honor our brokenness through our making Mm. um, and that it's a necessary component of the new creation Mm. to come. So could you elaborate on that beautiful uh, promise a bit? Right. And um, because of here to honor uh, this relationship with the creator, you know, we, we began to create basically idols, right? We, we began to see ourselves at the um, helm and, um, and all of us are guilty of that. Um, and, and yeah, because of, Jesus, his his voice, which is the upside down kingdom, the the voice that I kept on hearing that you know uh, way up is down, and um, it, it's through understanding poverty that you understand abundance. You know, these 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 things, um, and 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 the way the gospel is often talked about is. Jesus came to restore you. So you are now perfect in Christ. And that's not theologically wrong. But the other side is, you know, our brokenness is, is connected to this journey into um, the reality of grace and reality that um, we're, we're being restored into new creation, not back to Eden. So the, the, what, 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 the, what is that, right? I mean, people, um, say it's well it's much easier to promote christianity as a fix-it religion and uh i talk in the book about plumbing theology but you know it you you're given tools to fix things and we can fix ourselves and and you know we forget that so much of what god has instituted uh through christ um and, and our invitation to the table is is really about invoking God's abundance in, in, in the scarcity um, we see in front of us and surrounding us. And so I, I wanted to explain what that process was like, process of redemption into new creation, uh, rather than just fixing it to, you know, be perfected in Christ um, which means our work really doesn't matter, you know, because we can just passively receive that gift and we, we can go to heaven. And that's, you know, that's what we're preaching most uh, a lot of times I find. But what happens is because of the fractures that we experience, the traumas and pain that we go through, that is connected with Christ's um, identity as a savior. Um, so post-resurrection journey uh, appearance, uh, I was reading this morning about Emmaus Road and, you know, disciples identify Jesus not by sight, but through his wounds, right? So Jesus came back not just as a glorified human being, as a savior, but, but he came back as a wounded human being. So that's a significant detail. And why is that? And And you know, and why is his wounds necessary and important for us? Does that connect any way to our pain and our brokenness, what we go through? 
And the answer is yes. You know, everything that we go through in life, God doesn't waste uh, any of that. And as, as, you know, as much as we don't want to glorify, uh, uh, you know, waywardness and and a, a sense of brokenness, God the, the, somehow institutes new things through those experiences, and mm-hmm. and this is a mystery, and we will not fully understand it, I don't think, until we're the other side of eternity. But on this side, we can actually go through things you know i i'm a survivor of 911 I, I i lived in ground zero i raised my children there the ground zero children and i had to look at ground zero every day and you know it, there were moments when i just wanted to leave you know uh it was too much to go through that and and yet you know w- when i was able to look at the broken empty um remains um and you know this disfigured buildings and and somehow god's light can shine right through them uh in into my own fracture and my own um despair um and it's hard to describe that unless you go through something and by choosing to create into that right so i'm an artist fortunately so i can process all these things that i'm intuiting in bringing into my studio and and face a canvas um, that deals literally with brokenness and you know uh, flames of destruction and turn them into flames of sanctification and that's what art can do and and so I'm never the same, you know, before or after 9-11, but, but I know that that has created a path pathway for me to create into. And somehow by doing that, I'm, I'm inviting others to that journey as well. And, and because of that experience, I know now with the pandemic, right, with the pandemic, everybody's a survivor. You know, if you are listening to this, you are a survivor and you will go through the same kind of post-trauma that people, you know, who experience directly 9-11 has to go through. 20 years later, I'm still discovering the, the hairline fractures that I didn't even know existed. And so what, you know, what kind of society can we be? Well, the amazing reality is that everybody experienced this like there's not a single person on this earth right now who has not been directly impacted by COVID yeah so that's an opportunity for us to have deeper empathy towards anybody who is suffering um and and you know not to see that as oh that's that's some other you know trauma you know that um it, no, it's it, we can own that together, and we can create uh, into that. So th- those are some of the things that I I, I think about when I um, think about brokenness. That's amazing, and I I never really thought about that. That the whole world has experienced yeah. this uh, the pandemic. We have that in common now, mm-hmm. and it is an opportunity for us as artists to 
to create into that. Yeah. And to um, one of my primary genres that I love to write in is lament. Yes. And I feel like uh, sometimes I get, uh, I wouldn't say condemned for doing that as much as I do, but there, there that speaks, I, I'm writing out of where I'm at um, majority of the time and what I'm processing. And yeah. uh, oh my goodness. there is yeah. so much, um, there's so much that flows out when I share that, when I share into that um, space, you know, of, you know, sharing with other people going through things, that art, that, that work has a way of touching lives um, in ways that, you know, mere words just can't. And so we have a huge opportunity here. Yeah. And I, I just um, wrote an essay for Christianity today about Holy Saturday and um, I loved it. Yes. Yeah. It, and I, <laughs> I, I talk about my experience of post 9-11. We didn't have songs to sing. You know, you can't sing this triumphant, you know, Jesus is a victor song in facing the devastation. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I, I talk about Morton Lauritsen's uh, Lux Eterna, but, you know, there were only a few songs that actually carry the weight. Of, of that moment yeah and now with the pandemic right i, I mean what what are we gonna sing right we're, we're gonna surely we can talk about celebrate the victory of christ and and we we can you know we, we just have easter but um but that's you know i was reading the Emmaus journey and i'm like thinking oh my goodness this is just the beginning of you know going into darkness for the disciples i mean they're going to be facing their own crucifixions and persecutions and and so what is that psyche you know it's not just celebrating what happened and having this mysterious encounter with christ which is amazing and and you know but but it's it's at the same time recognizing that we need strength Mm. to face the future and whatever the transformation means that that transformation is only given to us if we have an ability to name that lament yeah and art is fundamentally to me one of the ways that god has given us um to to do that well and and to do that for communal ways and so we need songs to sing that um you know that does that doesn't just you know push away all that we are feeling and carrying right now and and you know we don't even know like the depth of that right and and we're we're sensing it we are we feel anxious we feel fearful about the future and we try to make it you know um black and white and say well this is you know this is my face so this is very clear but in reality we're all experiencing the weight of trauma and you know art can both elevate expose um and and bring bring that to light um in in ways that can be mediated so you know all of us struggling to name that experience you know all of a sudden we're listening to somebody sing uh, you know like yourself speaking into that and say oh i never 
I never realize how much I am suffering, or I I never realize how much I I can be hopeful, you know, going mm-hmm. going through this. Yeah, it's such a gift uh, to be able yeah. to do that for others, and um, mm-hmm. and I see that as part of this this co creation with each other in yeah. in a movement toward the new. I think yeah. that's beautiful mm-hmm. uh, that we get to do that for each mm-hmm. other and with each other. So mm-hmm. absolutely. Okay. We have some really good questions come in from yep. some of our listeners. So I'd love to dig into those. So first from a Twitter follower, uh, it's at Lorenz De- Demed. Uh, I would love to know what his actual name is, but uh, <laughs> here's his question. If art is an act of two-way gift giving, mm-hmm. is art then an act of faith similar mm-hmm. in effect mm-hmm. to George Mueller trusting the mm-hmm. Lord for the orphans he supported? Yeah. Yeah, beautiful. Absolutely. And and I, I, I do see art's primary role as, I mean, I'm not talking about Christians only, you know, I'm talking about arts in general, uh, and music and theater, as, as a way to understand, uh, in, in a sense, expose our own poverty, right, and, and realize that there is a way to see the world uh, with a new lens um, that captures the, the sense of what we're all going through communally, um, but names those experiences and creates characters that can inhabit them well. Um, so I, during the pandemic, I thought a lot about Shakespeare, you know, and his mm-hmm. troops, building this um they had to build the theater outside of london because of the black plague Mm -hmm. um and uh you know romiet doesn't hear of julia's feigned death because the messenger was quarantined (laughs) (laughs) i missed that detail before now i'm reading that's right oh that is that is crazy like and and there are tears in you know if you go to shakespearean theater you know, the kings and queens sit on top and the patrons in the middle and, and the commoners uh, on, the, on the grass. And, um, you know, Romeo and Julia, for example, is set up so that the prince has, it falls in love with the commoner, right? And, and so by inhabiting that separation and, and the time of trauma, and there's so many other things going on other than the Black mm-hmm. Plague, but um, Shakespeare was able to create a, a, a communal way of understanding history and understanding where we are, understanding where we can go, right? That, that love, you know, can transcend those differences and, and even the, the, you know, what the limitations of our time can, can become um, part of, of the story, the narrative. For, for us to the viewers to inhabit. Um, and when you do that well, it actually transcends that time. And so we can, you know, um, be looking at Macbeth today and realize, you know, how, how much this tortured reality of, you know, somebody who has idolized, you know, the power, right? And, and has, 
become dehumanized. He is less than a human being, you know, and King Lear and so forth. And you, you can identify, oh, that's what we're going through, you know, in leadership right now. And and there, there's this distortions of what, you know, power ought to be used for. And and so so that that's the power of the arts, and and I think we, we you know um, in in some sense where we need those artists to step up and 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 to begin to craft these communal ways that we can process our trauma and process the challenges that we face. Hmm. Very good. Yeah. Okay, and then. Our producer, uh, Jake Doberins, he was so excited that I got to talk to you today. Uh, and he asked a really good question. It's yeah. actually a series of questions. So hang on for a minute. Uh, could you speak on inhabiting different and sometimes opposing worlds? You live yeah. in the West, but you practice Eastern art. Your technique is centuries old and you live in modern day. And you are an artist of faith in a secular world. Mm. So, how do you navigate that tension? Yeah, that's a great question, and and I think it it kind of relates to the first question for me because you know in the upside down kingdom um, we have to be border stalkers. Artists are have to be, um, and, and the reason is because the normative structures that protects the tribe is no longer operative in 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 the reality of the world. So when you're facing ground zero, you, you can't just live normally. You know, <laughs> you, you're you're kind of a, you're kind of in an emergency mode um, yeah. all the time, and and there's a limit to that, and you, you you will burn out, and and you go through severe depression. You know, um, if you're not careful, but you know this this level of intensity that um comes to all of us even though we're doing our best to secure our tribe you know to keep it safe um and our children um in in some ways we, we live in a world in which that is no longer possible so so if you are a water stalker in that chaotic world the you what you experience is actually the margins enlarging so you know people who may be able to be safely in their tribal zones are no longer able to and they're being exiled left and right and that's happening in other tribes and so artists who tend to be the first <laughs> to go into the borderlands and, and, you know, and I always tell artists, don't go alone, go, go in mm. twos. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> um, we will find that the good shepherd has gone ahead of us, actually, because, you know, if you read John 10, you see the good shepherd leading the sheep outside of the gates, right, outside of the tribal realms, and that's what the good shepherd will do, who is a prophet, who wants, us, especially young teenage sheep, to experience nurture, cultural grass out, outside of the tribal areas. Um, you know, young sheep are jumping over the fence anyway. So, you know, <laughs> but, 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 you know, follow the good shepherd's voice. And uh, because you will get lost, it is dangerous. There's storms and wolves and um, danger out there. So, you know, 
know, be, be go adjacent to, but um, what we experience is today is that the margin has enlarged so much that people who normally you, you wouldn't expect to be in the borderlands are. Mm-hmm. And, and so we have to kind of be aware of that and, and serve them as artists uh, because they're lost. They're, they're kind of finding themselves, you know, alienated from, you know, the easy example of this politically. A lot of conservatives and a lot of liberals find themselves, they can't connect with the base anymore. They, they feel exiled from, you know, the, the very ideals that they, they have held, you know, 10 years ago, that they will vote for one party, let's say, is no longer applicable <laughs> because it's just not, you know, tenable to have a, uh, you know, be, be dislocated in, in in that sense and have yeah. no vision for how to integrate, how to create peace in in, in a world filled with cultural wars. So we <laughs> we find that those people are hovering and they they. They're looking for a way to address everything, um, not just politically, but just how they see their lives, how they see their family. How how do you go through uh, this chaotic time when when you know and there's the storms of life getting you know overwhelming forces that are moving us um, and you know forcing us to be nomadic tribes now. So that that's where we are and so so those of us who experienced um the opposite those of us who um understand the world um of you know destitute darkness and the world of wall street you know um those of us who experience different countries and different you know areas of cultures um who speak different languages are at a huge advantage because we understand that things are not the same in, you know, like if you locate yourself in different places, you don't assume, you know, the conventional way of locking yourself into a pattern. Mm -hmm. So I've experienced that throughout my childhood. So I just, that's the norm for me when I don't understand a language, when I don't, you know, when the culture that doesn't make sense to me. And I've, I've gained this understanding and, and a way to function um, in, in, in the, the unknown <laughs> and, and, and learn to create there, right? Learn, mm-hmm. learn the language, learn the culture, but be, always be able to, you know, be objective because I'm not fully Japanese. Japanese think I'm, you know, kind of weird because I don't do the things the Japanese do. And I'm not American because I'm, you know, I, I think like a Japanese and I, 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 I see culture like, you know, as integrated with nature and, and like, you know, Western mind is like, no, separate them. And so, so I, I always get, I, I used to struggle with this as a, as a child, of course, you know, trying to navigate that. But now I see that as, as a, a necessity of understanding our time. And, mm. and the part of the b- beautiful thing about being an artist is, is that because we're border stalkers, we, we're doing this just naturally. And we're translating cultures, you know, uh, different language, different music, different way of seeing things 
and we translate them back. If we are, uh, you know, motivated by love, we will translate them back into our tribe in the ways that uh, the, the tribes can understand and, and not only be comforted, but be um, kind of a map toward, you know, navigating um, together, right? In, 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 in becoming this nomadic tribe again, you, you, you kind of ha- have to have culture to, you know, bring, bring everything together. And the, the people who are border stalkers are the ones that are able to, to create that language. I love that that term border stalkers. Uh, <laughs> love it. So good. So Jake, there's your answer, buddy. Um, and then we had one more question from this is actually from our Facebook group, uh, Creative yeah. Christians Working Together. It's a very fun little community there. Yeah. But Melissa, uh, one of our listeners there, she's also writing her own book right now. Mm on stillness and creativity, which I'm so intrigued by. Um, So she asks, how important is it to be still before and during the creative process? Yeah, it's very important. Um, But if you imagine this borderlands where there are many storms, you kind of have to learn to stay in the eye of the storm. And that, that's where the stillness is now. So where, where I see stillness applied to what I do, this nomadic journey that I, I am in, you know, as an artist, I, I, I have to learn, I had to learn very early on to stay in the eye of the storm. Uh, the, the, the difficulty of that is that the storm keeps moving. Yes. So if you stay in one place, you're going to be devoured by the forces. Um, and it, it's, it's sometimes hard to read where the storm is going, but, but it's, it's in the eye that, you know, like these people who measure the eye and, you know, determine where it's going to go, the hurricane is going to go, um, how far inland it's going to go. Uh, called storm chasers and they fly their little plane right into the eye to to measure the eye to you know warn the people so you know uh, accurately how how much the storm is going to move and storm chasers that that that's a very good picture of an artist Hmm. right and and um, artists tend to be storm chasers anyways they're like <laughs> you know things that are happening but many artists end up being caught up in the storm itself and never find the eye so they will you know chase after a storm and transgress right against what they see as something normative that is being dehumanizing but they're not able to survive the storm and mm-hmm. Many Christians tend to be uh, people who run as far away as they they, <laughs> they can from the storm, and so they tend to even pretend like there's no storms, mm, yes. right? And and so they they try to convince each other that this is, you know, uh, they they in a sense fake uh, peace that way. So artists, uh, uh, peacemakers, they they have to, uh, they they have a propensity to fly into the storm. But but I I always, you know, want artists to just find the eye because that's where Jesus is, and that's where 
true creativity and imagination can can you know can become uh, a powerful way for, to mediate the storm and the, the and and also to warn people of the damage that it can cause you know if they don't act in the right 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 way or go the right direction so this this is a prophetic role that artists can play that you know I, so so in that sense stillness is is key because you you know you're looking for that but oftentimes um it's it's not this passive stillness um you you really have to pray and ask the spirit to guide you into that the the very heart of you know the, the the stillness that that is the eye of the storm i love that the eye of the storm is where jesus is yes i yes. love it uh yeah. yeah and i can tell if i haven't been spending enough time with the lord of my mission yeah. in my work that storm I, I i totally understand that imagery of just feeling like I'm spinning and yes. not really going anywhere. Uh, right. But when I take the time to really come back to the feet of Jesus and mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. create with him mm-hmm. and to listen to what he has for me next, uh, there's a, there's a lot of right. power and peace in that. So yes. thank you for yes. that. Yeah. Okay. So since you're an author, uh, I assume you read a bit too. Uh, and we are, we've got a lot of readers here uh, in our audience too. So what books are you reading or have you read that uh, really spurred on your own creativity and compassion toward other creatives? Yeah. When I, uh, I mentioned this in my, my, my books, uh, actually um, it, all of my books, I think refer to this book, uh, the gift by Lewis oh, lovely. And, okay. and, and it's, it's a, <laughs> It's a thick book, and I you don't have to read all of it. But, but you know, I, I what I do when I'm mentoring somebody is to um, go through the first three chapters, and and it's, because it, it's very helpful in um, in an over commoditized transactional world um, that artists are not meant to thrive in that world, um, even though art needs to be part of that capitalistic transactional system. Um, not because artists need it necessarily. I mean, we, we have to pay rent, but yeah, it's helpful. Um, but the capitalism itself needs it. So, so he makes a counter argument to a lot of um, perhaps economic, um, you know, thesis that the gift economy, which is what the artists inhabit, they're, they're, you know, art is primarily a gift, not a commodity. And when you commoditize art, you lose something. We have to be aware of that as artists. Uh, it, it's it's given to us as a gift from God, and um, we are to operate in in that gift economy when we are creating. Now that can, you know, become part of the transactional um, system in which you 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 know you gain um, you know material or uh, uh, money for what you have done. But we all know, right, that what we created can never be measured by that. Mm-hmm. Even if it's sold for millions of dollars, you know, that, that doesn't seem to measure in, in, in terms of love that we poured into a project or song or painting. 
And Lewis Hyde explains this. Of course you don't, because your, your art is meant to be a gift. You know, give back to the world, give back to yourself, give back to your community. Now, how do we manage sustainability if that's the case in, in, a, in a scarcity-ridden scarcity transactional world? Mm-hmm. And he, he does a good job of explaining that. I, I um, have developed kind of my own uh, way of trying to help artists to find that sustainable path um you know or maybe hopefully a generative path uh, you know i i i talk about it in, in in my culture care book but um i i think that this this book is is <laughs> the gift is a gift and and i i i have um gone back to it quite often i love it uh that sounds like a really good book uh <laughs> that i should probably read at least the yeah, first three chapters yeah. of <laughs> It's, it's in my new book as well. So if you go through the reader's guide, you, you'll discover Lewis Hyde. Yeah. Good. Yeah. yeah. And you just, yeah. The reader's guide to your art and faith uh, book. We will make sure to connect everybody with yeah. that resource yeah. as well. Yeah. It's, it's something I'm really looking forward to potentially doing with a group, maybe this summer um, yeah. walking through that uh, with your book, uh, just to encourage the hearts of the artists that I work with. Yeah. So yeah, thank you for those ideas. And um, so let's talk about your work a little bit. Uh, yeah. What current or upcoming projects are you most excited about? Yeah, yeah. I am constantly here. Um, you, you see some of my paintings behind me. Um, um, it, commissions, exhibits coming up, uh, and um, I'm working on ongoing series on the Psalms. I do one Psalm a month, uh, 48 by 48 inch canvas. So it's very large. And so one month, one one Psalm per month means that I will be spending 14, 50 years, 15 <laughs> years, <laughs> 150 Psalms. So, so yes. I, I didn't really think about that. You know, didn't when I think started, about that. I, it was just an intuitive sense that I need to do this. And I'm not doing it to exhibit or, you know, uh, put it in a transactional sense. I, I'm simply doing it to uh, be, be have an excuse to slow down and meditate on, on, on one Psalm per month and my dear uh, friend dr Aaron davis at duke um she's a uh, he- he- hebrew scholar uh is translating uh, a psalm right now and so i get to use her translation um it, it, specifically in this conversation between a theologian and an artist uh she is translating those psalms in light of that so so that that's a very interesting way of and and one of my fellows uh who's a spoken word artist uh she she reads them um um, for me and and so i I have a recording of that that i listen to every morning uh at least three times before i start my day and and Mm -hmm. then um I, i i work on uh uh, psalm to begin my day. I love it. What psalm are you working on right now? So I just started Psalm eight. Um, I I went one 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 fifty, and then some um, psalms we selected because of the projects that we were doing. So I did one thirty nine, and I I did most of uh, I did one through seven, uh, nine ten. 
but skipped eight for some reason. So I'm going back to eight <laughs> right now. Oh, I, I have a special uh, fondness of eight. I, um, one of my recent Psalm uh-huh. settings was of eight. So, oh, Lord, oh, our Lord, how majestic yes. is your name in all the earth. Yeah, yes. I just, oh, I it's, love it. It's a very beautiful Psalm about stewardship. Yes, yes. And, and, and the land, you know, right now with spring, everything mm-hmm. coming up, uh, tulips and so forth. You, you just that psalm is is just such a stunning way of thinking about um, a creation and how how to be a steward of that and you know how how the creation gives back. Talk about the gift, you know, mm-hmm. keeps giving back um, with the sacrifice, you know, and and so it's it's yeah. I I, I haven't even started, but my mind is just so full of that that potency and abundance that song. Beautiful. Yeah. Well, enjoy that work. <laughs> Thank that you. Just, it's going to be ongoing for a while. You're right. Yeah, it will be. <laughs> what a great practice, though. Um, yeah, yeah, I have a special fondness for the Psalms. Our church sang through all 150 of them. We created wow. settings for them, and we're going back and re- recording them now and sharing yeah. them. And yeah. it's just, they're such a gift. So, um, yeah, it's a communal gift, and yeah, there's, there's yeah. no end to it. Um, you know, I I find that after I'm I'm done with one psalm, I, I I find a pinhole right to depict, and and I can only do that tiny little. So at the end of the month, I I feel like I know less <laughs> about that psalm. Um, Sounds like the Bible. And, <laughs> yeah, the more we and, read, it. just yeah, and yeah. and I could literally spend you know eternity, yeah. like looking at different pinholes you know Mm. that that it's really amazing it is oh how wonderful um great well marco this has been really great uh how can our listeners best connect with you i'm easy to find on social media uh my website uh is my full name and it will come up and um culture care side has what we call academy kintsugi which you know which is another um um way of understanding brokenness and healing and uh so the, there's multiple links um that that um can can be through my website so Perfect. Well, we will link yeah. everybody up with those yeah. in our show notes. And um, I would love to just close out uh, by praying for you well, and what you. you're doing and thanking God for our time. And then I would love to have you just pour into our audience with a bit of encouragement before we um, part ways today. So, well, yes. let's go to prayer. Yes. Well, Father God, thank you so much for this time with Makoto Fujimura today. Um, Lord, it's just such an honor to learn from him and be encouraged by him. And thank you for how you've called him into the work that he's doing, um, the beautiful artistry that he, he partakes of and he shares with the world. And thank you for giving him the, just the understanding of your heart. Um, for artists and your heart for the world, Lord, and your desire for us to create in community with each other, with each other, for each other, in anticipation of what you're doing and what your desire is for your kingdom, Lord. And um, 
we just thank you for his example of slowing down and enjoying one Psalm a month. And we pray for that process, uh, especially in Psalm eight right now, as he marvels at creation and the stewardship uh, that you call us to as your image bearers. And Lord, we pray for his family and all that they do um, in this community that is the world, Lord, what they're doing to care for the souls of others. And we pray for their efforts uh, and may it just be there. May their efforts be drawing people closer to you, to a fuller understanding of your heart and uh, what it is to be a child of the living God. We pray all this in Jesus name. Amen. Amen. Thank you. So how would you leave everyone with an encouraging word today? Yes, I mentioned this in the book, but, um, you know, the aroma of the nard that Mary poured upon Jesus mm. um, before entering Jerusalem, um, Jesus carries into Jerusalem, in, in, into his suffering. And in Mark 14, you know, when the disciples were uh, complaining about this, radical way that mary honored him you know he said leave her alone you know she did a beautiful thing to me and wherever the gospel is told what she has done will be told and my question to the church is you know are we doing that um, because that is the the scent that is the aroma of new creation before during and after jesus suffering the, to me that aroma is the new creation on MIS road, you know, when, when we cannot see Jesus, but we can detect his presence. And I, I think when Paul talks about, you know, aroma of Christ, uh, to some it is death, to some it is life. Um, that's the aroma, you know, that Jesus carries. And, and so uh, for, for, for us um, endeavoring to, uh, create into the new creation we we have to tap in some somehow into that act of sacrifice of, 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 of bold sacrifice that mary gave to jesus understanding what he will go through but i don't think she understood that it is her act that will be carried into new creation and it will, it will be you know completely there's a new world because of her act um and that's our art, right? If we can give ourselves fully to uh, Jesus, to anoint him with all that we have, the best that we have, um, then that's going to be expanded by God into the new creation somehow. We don't understand how and we don't have to know how, but by faith that that is what um, how, how we honor Mary's act. So, Thank you. Uh, thank you for that encouraging word of just... Yeah trusting that what God has us doing, it, it will, we will marvel at what he yeah. does with it. <laughs> so absolutely. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for being yeah. with us today. It was such an honor to talk to you and yes. I hope everyone enjoys this conversation. Yeah. I enjoyed that. Thank you so much for listening product of the links and resources find that were mentioned in today's episode. Please visit our website at this show is hosted by Brandon Hollingsworth forward slash Andrea Sandifer, Dave Ebert and Rachel Oxborough. Our logo is by Bill Brooks. 
Bill Brooks and Andrea Sandifer did our music. And Jake Dobrins produces and edits the show.